production. Darling Shine, a podcast by myself, Elodie Pullen, and me, Chloe Fisher. A place where we ground womanhood's unspoken experiences from grief to fertility and everything in between. Join us while we transform our pain into power, encompassing all emotions, ugly and beautiful. Darling Shine is your chosen family and your survival kit for the unexpected shit life throws at you. Okie Guess what I'm doing right now? What are you doing, sis? The secret sound. Cracking open <laughs> a fizz functional. Me too, sis. Oh. You copied me. Did you see me and get inspired? Look, you've got yours and I've got mine. Um, yes. How good's that? Got inspired. They're Yum. so tasty. Speaking of fizz, if you follow us on Instagram, you would have seen that we launched a fizz functional beverage. That's a non-alcoholic beverage and it's got... There's a few different flavours that we have and we launched them. When did we launch it? Um, back in March, beginning of March, I'd say. Oh, no, sorry, we were in Bali, so Feb. And they literally sold out within 24 hours, the first batch. People just love a drink. But they, these are non-alcoholic and they're like just essentially like a bit of a yummy sparkling water. I know, I'm very excited because I got a package delivered um, yesterday, so I'm excited to get right into it today. I'm drinking the Glow. That's my favourite one. It's got zero sugar, collagen, seven calories. The Glow's really good. It's so yummy. Yum. Yum, yum, yum. We'll put the link in our bio anyway on Instagram if you guys want to buy any because they are restocked. Delish. But anyway. So today, guys, we've got a fun episode. We're going to do a Q&A. So, so many questions always filtering from the Facebook group and our DMs and on emails. So I think it's important. It's kind of like a good check-in episode too that we just, we're going to answer a whole bunch of different questions today. So I think it, it gives people a little bit more of an insight into our lives and exactly what they want to know. And I think sometimes we get a lot of questions about topics that I mean, probably people write to us and they think my questions never got answered, but there's actually quite a few that are are about actual topics which we are not educated in. So we need to wait and get proper guests that we can talk about those topics with you. So we'll try and answer the ones that we can answer here. Um, But before we get started, I wanted to have a quick check-in with you, Elle, because we have just recently, well, you've just recently had the gala, the Chumpy Pool and Gala on the Gold Coast a few weeks ago. And yeah, I wanted to check in, see A, how the gala went and B, how you're actually doing grief-wise at the moment. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. So literally flew straight back from LA and you know how I was so freaking tired and run down. We were all sick and then no time to sort that out. We just went straight into the gala. And then at the last second, as I was getting my hair and makeup done, I decided to give out 10 tickets to just like people watching my stories at that second. And they just went like hotcakes. And it was so exciting because I got to actually meet like, well, I don't know, everyone's just an absolute legend, but they were just like, yay, so fun to come to like a random free event at the last second. And yeah, just met so many legends on the night. So that was so cool. And Carly, our producer, came at the last minute too, which was really fun. The gala went amazingly. Like you were there at the the last one, the first one that, that we ever did. And that was just, I was so actually so stressed for that one, freaked out. I didn't, you know, know this big event. I, I was like, oh, just 
feels too hectic and it was just too stressful for me to deal with. Like, And this one, I don't know, I just went into it really relaxed and calm and I just was like, you know what, let's just have fun. Like I've got, there's so many people running the show like organizing this event. I don't really have to worry about any of that shit. I just really hope it goes well. And I just kind of went into it with no fucks given and just had so much fun with like all these legends. And I just, it blows me away how amazing this foundation, like the Chumpy Pullen Foundation is and what it's turned into. And I can't actually take any credit for it because the team behind it are just bulldozing ahead and doing so many cool things. And every week they call me and they're like, hey, we've got this idea, what do you think? And I'll be like, I usually always say yes because they're fucking awesome and I always have trust in what they think and they've always got like Chumpy's best interest at heart but also just like they're just good people. They've just got the sickest projects coming up and I just basically say, yeah, run with it. I absolutely love this. And then they're just doing some epic, epic things. So Chloe and I, we had actually in LA – just before I came home, we went to Beverly Hills and I bought this like diamond tennis bracelet. I'm not, I don't know much about diamonds, but this thing's stunning. And I donated it to the foundation and it went in this glass, beautiful glass box and the diamond bracelet just sits in there. And then there was 60 keys that we sold to like any girls at the gala that wanted to buy a key. They bought the key for like a hundred bucks or something like that. Only one of the keys opens the box. So weirdly, the first chick that tried actually got into the box, which was crazy because the other chicks were like, hold on, is this rigged? Can we test if my key works? Did you try the others? Yeah, I think everyone tried the others and like, oh, that was just literally (laughs) the biggest fluke ever that that first key worked, like bonkers. And then the chick... That's wild. It was just so cool. And this chick just kept coming up to me at the after party being like, look, I won the diamond bracelet. It just looks so cute on her. And like, it just like... It was just really cool and Chumpy's dad made this amazing axe which is a replica of the exact axe that Chumpy made when he was here. The last trip he went down to see his parents in the February of 2020, we went down there and he was in the shed with his dad the whole time carving out this axe, like literally this silver axe head and then this um, wooden pole and he had like, he, he engraved like words on it like, Viking ruins that say all in down the pole of the handle of the axe. It's just such a cool random little project that he did because he just loves axes and Vikings. And so his dad made an exact replica of that axe, which was so special. And he auctioned it off and it went for like, I want to say either twelve or $14,000 someone bought the axe for, which was just so cool. And it's the sentimental things, which is so beautiful to me, obviously. But the fact that other people see such value in those as well. And it just says so much about the person Chump was. And I don't know, just it was just such a beautiful night. I think last year I was like, oh, my God, I, I'm not looking forward to the next one. I feel so overwhelmed by the whole thing. Like I hope this year goes so slowly. Like if I was that stressed at this one, I'm freaking for the next one. And now I'm literally like so excited for the next one. I just cannot wait. It was just the funnest fucking night in the world. And it's actually going to be in Melbourne the next one. So it'll be in Melbourne next May. So 2024, that would be what the fuck. That's so far away. I mean, that sounds like, <laughs> that's just weird. That we're, wow. But yeah, so you guys should all come. Everyone buy tickets when they come on sale. I don't know when that will be, but do it. I would have for sure been there at this one, but my mum and my sister had come out to LA for a holiday. So I wasn't 
actually able to come out. Otherwise, I would have just had to leave them here. <laughs> they would have been too stoked with that. Can't believe that someone <laughs> bidded on the girls' night out for something like 10 grand. That blows my mind. But congratulations. And I'm really excited to meet you. Do we know who the girls' night out winners are yet, Elle? <laughs> yes. Okay. So what an absolute legend. This guy bought the girls' night out for his wife and her bestie. What a good little present. I mean, is it a good present? I don't know. We'll, we'll make sure it's a good present. <laughs> I'm actually so excited to plan this one. It's going to be a really fun night out with the gals on the Gold Coast. I'm not sure. We'll have to find out where they are. Maybe we can go to them if they're not on the Goldie. <laughs> oh, let's definitely stay at the Langham because that place is like amazing. Yeah, I definitely had FOMO of watching oh, you all stay in there. It was that so was good. stunning. I can't believe we only really just discovered that it existed. I know. What the hell were we thinking? That place is amazing. And we got the penthouse, Chloe. There was four rooms. So we had like eight of us in there and it was just so fun. And like, oh my God, it was literally everyone came back to our penthouse. It was just the best. It was so much fun. Before we get into like the QA, I really wanted to ask you about how you're going with everything because I know that you've been so busy since you got back from LA. You were so stressed to come home, obviously, because of the gala, but then you've obviously been recording the audiobook as well. You've been sick and I think now all of our friends have sort of left and they're not staying with you anymore and you've finally had time for the dust to settle. I don't even know if it has settled yet, but how are you actually feeling, you know, yeah. Grief-wise. Yeah, it's so funny because everyone has left. But now my friend Geordie rocked up yesterday. He's going to stay for a bit. I think I've got really good people around me that they can just blend into the furniture and just be like there but not there. And I don't have to host. I'm not like, oh, what do you want me to cook? I'm like, fucking you cook. <laughs> like, So I'm lucky with that. But the audiobook, <laughs> like I honestly really, really, really under- underestimated the task. And I, I in hindsight would not have signed up for it if I knew it was going to be this fucking hard or at least in this time of my life because I just feel like the last few months, and I don't know if I'm going to say this forever, but the last few months have been really crazy and busy and I've been really run down and stressed and tired and just everything. And I keep saying, oh, next month will be cruisy, next month will be cruisy. And I think I say this every month and I'm like, I don't know when it is going to get cruisy. But having mini in daycare is a fucking godsend. But in general, the audiobook, like, and I saw my publishers the other day from Hachette who were organised, like they obviously published the book and they're doing the audiobook. And she's just like looking at me and she's like, look, I, I see how hard it is for you to do this and I hear you. Not that I even said much. I think she saw me speak on a panel at the Writers' Festival in Brisbane last weekend. She saw me get emotional and I didn't even mean to. Like people just asked a mundane question from the crowd and I thought I was just killed, like, you know, like absolutely feeling fine and answering these questions. Then I just start crying and I don't really realise, like I just sometimes you don't really realise how heavy something is until you start saying it and you're like, well, that's true real life and that's hard. Mm. But um, I think she was just like, okay, we've decided to like really cut back the audiobook and we don't, we're not going to put pressure on the time. Like initially they wanted it by Mother's Day. So I was like, oh, got to do it, got to, you know, got to hustle. And now they're like, there's literally just no time on it. Like if, it, if you fucking get it out next year, cool. If you get it out in a few months, cool. So we've cut back on lots of the studio days, which is going to save my fucking life because emotionally it's just too hard. And it, it doesn't sound like it would be hard, but it, it yeah. actually is like – but there's a random guy, he's lovely, but I have to just sit there and literally read my book out to him and read every line a thousand fucking times. And especially the hard bits, 
like I know my story obviously and I know my book obviously but just saying it out loud and going back into that place I was when I wrote the book with Ali it's not even talking about the day that he passed that's the hard but it's actually talking about our love and the first few chapters and like falling in love and like our fairy tale relationship, which I didn't realize at the time was so amazing. And it's like now looking back, I'm like, fuck, you just don't realize what you got till it's gone. Cause like, it's like, you don't mm-hmm. often go to fish every day. Like this is the best ever. We're so in love and this is perfect. And I feel like, you know, life could never, ever, ever get better because I mean, you, you might, but mm-hmm. a lot of the time you take for granted what's right in front of you because you don't have to think about if it wasn't there. And so now I like go back and I do this mm-hmm. audio book and I'm like, oh my God, it just, it, it hurts so much all over again. And then my voice will break and then I'll start to like cry and break down. And the guy's like, okay, obviously cut now because you can't just be crying. Really? Yeah, obviously. So I can't be crying while like, oh, you want a bit of emotion and stuff. Well, you want it to be like an interesting listen and like the author's really talking, which is what I am doing. But you can't just be fucking crying. So then I've got to like, oh, like you know, try and figure out how to get over that part. And like it then takes another fifteen minutes for me to kind of, you know, go go walk out the room, clear my tears up, mm. take a few deep breaths, make a tea, get my voice back. Like it's just literally. Some days we don't even do five pages. Like I'm not fucking kidding. And I, yeah, I haven't listened to many audio books, and I think I thought they just read out the book and you listen to it and that's fucking easy. It probably takes two days. And I'm sure some people that are narrators or paid narrators or actors doing it are just amazing at it. They just read it and it's perfect. But obviously it's my story. It's so emotionally taxing. It's fucking the hardest shit ever. Like I literally hate it. Like I'm dreading, I dread it. I I literally like I've got to do it tomorrow and the next day and I'm just like I want to fucking stick needles in my eyeballs. I'm probably up to chapter fucking four or some shit. I've got like months of it ahead of me. <laughs> but yeah. God. I shouldn't complain. It's it's great. And if I had the time, I would just nut it out. If I didn't have other pressures and deadlines in, in heaps of other shit that I do, I would just fucking know it's going to be shit and hard and just go in there and smash it and just do it and do full days. But just with everything else, it's just like it's it's not easy. So I do struggle a bit with that. But then I realise it's therapy and it's probably like seeing a counsellor and it's good for me and it's healing and all that bullshit. It's probably obviously good for me. But, yeah, definitely hard. I guess it's sort of like basically basically you're like rubbing salt in the wound a little bit as well because I feel like you get these like go through these milestones and these like waves of grief and sometimes you're really good and sometimes you're really sad and that this is like a really heavy hitter. I mean, I knew it was going to be really difficult for you. I mean, I didn't realise how hard and taxing it was going to be reading it. I mean, we can barely read out a script at one sentence. (laughs) So I can't imagine reading a whole book. That's why I wanted to check in because I definitely have been feeling it a little bit lately with and I've been actually, I've been genuinely worried about you because I've just been like, Aww. I don't know. I just feel like you've been so busy and so run down. And I, and I was just like, fuck, who is booking her to do all this shit? Because it ain't me. And I'm, so, I'm really worried about her actually even getting some time for, for yourself. So, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing because you definitely seem a little bit better than this week. But the last couple, last two weeks have been, they've made me sad. I'm like, fuck. Aww. 
No, I actually feel really good the past few days. I don't know what's gotten into me, but I feel way better. I think I've been sleeping well or something. But I do have so many people that are always like, I don't know how the fuck you do it. Like, do you stop? And I'm like, I think I thrive on this, but I also find it really difficult. I don't know. Yeah. You definitely need to slow down a little. I thrive on being busy, but then I'm always just like behind as fuck on work. So it's like, is it, what's the fucking point? Anyway, fuck. Well, how are you, sis? <laughs> Enough about me. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Definitely have your, your highs and your lows, but I'm, I'm good just getting on with it, you know? No, you've got shit hanging over your head, sister. Yeah, but like, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's one foot in front of the other and there's no real process or there's no plan in place for like any of the IVF shit. I'm just kind of taking it as it comes right this second. So nothing crazy to update everybody on. It's just the same shit at the moment. Do you miss home? Yes. I mean, it's it's funny because home for me is wherever Paul and I are together. So like we, we obviously, home, home, home is Australia, but home is also LA and Ibiza. Going through all the IVF and the treatments and the procedures and everything that I've had as of late, that definitely makes me miss home, especially when Paul's on the road and I don't have my close family and my close people here. I mean, I do definitely have really good friends here in LA and a few of them have been really, really, I wouldn't be able to have done the last few months without them, but I definitely have times where I just am like, fuck, I just wish that I had you and Minnie or I had my family around just to, Mm. you know. Ground you. Yeah, that's the only time I really miss home. Being in Ibiza this summer, I'm not going to, go on all the little in-between trips because Paul's pretty much playing five shows a week and they're all in different countries. So I won't be going on all of those. I'll be staying at home and just keeping on with work and focusing on Darling Shine and my work that I do for Paul with all his merch and just getting into a little bit more of a routine and focusing on my health and all that sort of stuff. So I'm excited about that. Do you find it hard, to like this is one of the questions, to stay fit and healthy on the road? Like what's your game plan for Ibiza gym-wise and health-wise and shit? Because when I come over, I know all we do is eat shit and we do not exercise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I have all these like intentions to be exercising and be really healthy. Look, when you're in Ibiza, it's the Mediterranean diet over there. So it's 80% of it, apart from the bread and olive oil, it's good. It's just like fresh fish and veggies. True. It's never really that bad over there. And then workout-wise, I don't really do too much. Well, I didn't really do it last summer. I'm going to try it now that I'm going to have a routine there this summer to actively do stuff each week. I'm really into my hot yoga at the moment, so I'm hopefully going to try and find a hot yoga studio. Yes. And Have you been doing that in LA? Yeah, I've been loving it. Fuck yeah. So good. So good. The place that we're staying has got like a little gym. So I don't know. I just don't really love cardio. If I'm going to do cardio, I have to be at like a gym and have to have someone yelling at me and pushing me. I just wouldn't, I'm not very good at doing that myself. A hundred percent. I've got to have loud as fuck music and someone yelling at you. I'm about to start the Peloton journey and I'm scared. Yeah. It's, that's (sighs) the only way that I'm going to do it. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I know. Have you not started that yet? No, it's been sitting in my garage for a month, but I've been away and then back and then sick. And like literally today, I'm actually like 
I'm fucking doing this. I'm on a cleanse. I'm going to try it once. I've, I've ran into a friend that has a Peloton. I'm like, bro, tell me how this shit works. Like I'm, I'm going to try it today. I've got to, I need to do some YouTubing of it and like set it up and I'm so excited to smash it because apparently when you get into it, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm jealous. <sighs> I really wanted to get one. The bike. I'm more of a runner, but I got the bike, so we'll see. Maybe, maybe when I get back to Australia. And when we're in Ibiza, last summer we did heaps of walks. You spend, I think that you do so much walking as well to like get food and to go to the grocery store and go to watch the sunset. So there's heaps of walking and it's so hot there that I feel like you sweat out heaps. Yeah. As long as I'm doing something every day, some sort of exercise, even if it is just walking, then I'm, I'm kind of happy with that. But I don't really have any strict routine as such. It's a 24-7 actual sauna there. I remember being so shooketh at the temperature. I was like, oh, it'd be like Bali, you know, I'd just... Shooketh. Yeah, shooketh. <laughs> I, I remember thinking it's going to be like Bali and it was just like, 47,000 degrees hotter than Bali. I'm fucking just nup. It was gnarly. And also when you're on the road and Paul plays a, a show for three hours, for example, on Wednesdays, every Wednesday in Ibiza, he plays from 3 till 6 a.m. You're dancing for three hours straight. So that in itself is a good solid exercise, I think. It's like Zumba, but not as aggressive. No wonder <laughs> Fish stays fit, hey. He's just like... Because if he does a show every second fucking day, like he literally does that many shows a year that it would equate to every second day, right? Well, probably every day. I swear to God, he does 100 million shows a year. He's fit as fuck. He's so fit. He dances for three hours straight like every day. It's like, what the hell? And then also trains every day, so. And he's a lot healthier than us as well because we like, we like, oh, let's eat Maccas today or let's fucking just get a sausage roll and a croissant or like especially, you know, you love a little croissant roux. And he'll just be like, we're not eating that shit. Let's go to Erewhon and get fucking kale and salmon. And I'm like, whoa, I'm on a holiday. I'm eating pizza. <laughs> I haven't eaten McDonald's in a very long time. Ah, okay. You're a good boy. I had a six-pack the other day. Fuck, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. I do miss it though. Fisher is a whole other show. He's like a, not just a DJ but a fucking entertainer. He's like just... Oh, it's it gives you he's like Disneyland in one person. Like no wonder Minnie's obsessed with him because he just doesn't stop. And no wonder he does so well because obviously his music's sick, but the performance <laughs> that you get out of him when he's standing behind the decks is fucking out of control. The energy that he exudes, like I don't know how he bloody does it. I'd love to get his step count per show. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna ask you some questions now. So how did you choose the name Minnie and what would you have called Minnie if she was a boy. Okay. So Minnie was a front runner the whole time. And it got to the point where I was like, I actually th think I, I really know this chick's a girl because Minnie, Minnie's just sticking. And the other name I had, it was always actually going to be, and people know this, I have spoken about this on the podcast. So I'm going to just really quickly go over it. It was going to always be Minnie Chumpy Pullen as the middle name Chumpy. And then at the last second, literally when I was signing the form after she came out, I was like, what do you really think, mum? Like maybe it should be mini Alex pulling because Alex is very unisex and then you'll never get sick of mini Alex pulling. Not that you get sick of Chumpy, but it's very much like his identity. So changed it at the last second to mini Alex pulling and I'm so happy with that. I also love that it's MAP, map, like I don't know, world map or some shit or 
I just love, I just literally love her name so much because it's his <laughs> exact name on the back of her name and I just love it. And Minnie, lots of people are like, oh my God, Minnie, how'd you come up with it? It's honestly quite a common name. It's like an old traditional, like a few grandmas are called, like, you know, it's like an old name, like Winnie, how it's come back. We have a fair few friends, don't we, Chloe, that have minis. We know a bunch of minis that are like eight and stuff. So I don't know if it's quite common on the Gold Coast, but there's a couple of minis around. And, yeah, she actually loves Minnie Mouse too, so that's cute. And then if she was a boy, well, actually the (laughs) other name I had for her if she was going to be a girl, but it was never probably going to happen because I was obsessed with Minnie. But I really liked Ava and it would have been Ava Alex Pullen because I liked the AA. And he actually really liked Ava. He also used to have a chick on the border cross tour that he, you know, just used to admire. Like she's a, she's a legend. And her name's Ava, and he was like, I just I love that name. So we we liked that name. And he loved the name Maeve. Actually, you know, from um, Sex Education, we used to watch that show, and we just loved the char- character Maeve, and we loved that name. But it didn't feel I don't know. I didn't I didn't like it when I was pregnant as much as Minnie. And then for a boy, it was always, always, always going to be Hendrix. It was going to be Hendrix Chumpy Pullen. And I loved the name, but it became really common, that name. Lots of kids are kind of called Hendrix, like feeling like I was seeing that name a lot. And I was like, oh. And then Chump's parents, they like, they love like Jimi Hendrix. Chumpy grew up listening, like Chumpy grew up idolizing Jimi Hendrix, playing all of his songs. Like he's just obsessed. He has Jimi Hendrix tattoos and stuff like that. Like, absolute hero and so I loved that but his parents were a bit like and not that they put me off but they're like oh I'm just we're not obsessed with Hendrix because like it's very much like assuming he's got to be like Hendrix or something I'm like no it's just a name kind of thing but I did kind of end up falling out of love with Hendrix and at the last minute and this is actually a good little story I don't know if I've probably told it I hope I haven't but I forgot what happened or if I was watching something on Instagram and the name Chipper popped up, Chipper. And I was like, that's it. Fuck Hendrix off. If it's a boy, I'm calling it Chipper. And I was was like three days away from giving birth and I loved the alliteration, Chipper, Chumpy, Pull. And I was like, that's it. I'm fucking stoked. And I didn't really tell many people. Everyone thought my name was Hendrix still. But I was talking to Chump's sister on the phone. Oh, no, it was a text message. I was like, how are you going, blah, blah. And she randomly replied and goes, I'm feeling pretty chipper. And I was like, who the fuck? Just She's never, that's not a word she usually (laughs) says to me. I don't say that word when I'm feeling good. Like we don't just say chipper often. Like I know what it means, but you know, and I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? You just said you're feeling chipper. That's so weird. Because last night I was decided that I want the boys to be chipper. And I was like, I feel like this is a sign. And she loved it as well. And she's like, yeah, that's sick. So I really, really, really decided it was going to be Chipper and it was going to be C-H-I-P-P-A, Chumpy Pullin. And then, yeah, but I just knew she was a girl, but I'm glad I had that solid backup name. And usually I wouldn't give away all my names, obviously, because like I do plan on having more kids one day and stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm done with the names Chipper, Hendrix, Ava. Like they're not my names now. I have other names. Yep. Speaking of names, we have had a few people write in saying... A little question I've been having to think about, and I don't want to come across as rude. Elle, how many sperm did you were you able to collect and freeze? And would you have another kid of Chumpy's babies, or would you wait and see what the future holds? Great, great, great question. Yes, we do have lots of Chumpy sperms left, although only one percent of his sperm count that we received is viable. There's a lot because when you 
like you get a million sperms at once. So 1% is a fair few. So, and we do have a few embryos. And this is a funny one, like got one more embryo, a champion Elodie embryo sitting there ready to go, like a baby on ice. It's in the freezer and it's sitting there. I just feel, and I never want to say never because I've said that about a bunch of things in my life, especially in the last few years under emotion. I'm like, I'll never do this. I'll never do that. And then I'm like, I'm doing it. So I don't think at this point in time I'll use it. I'm so happy with Minnie. She's amazing. She's a little chumpy and it's it's hard having a kid and, I, and she, I'm on my own and she's just like the perfect gift that Chump could have given me. And although I've got that embryo sitting there and part of me is like, I should give it a go. I'm like, I'm, I'm just so, so sure right now that I won't. And, but I wouldn't obviously like chuck that embryo out. It's just got to stay in the freezer. I've just got to pay the bill every month for it to stay there because got to stay there. I would never just like not let it be there but I don't see myself having another chumpy baby. I, like I just, I don't, I don't see that. Do you see that? I don't see that. I don't know. I feel like I'm like a mixed with it. I, I totally understand where you're coming from and like your viewpoints on not using it. But then at the same time, I'm like, oh, there's only one. I know. But, and then I also think as well, like you, I like how you're just saying you just have to kind of let it sit there until you decide on like what. Yeah. I feel like I will give many siblings. I'm not in a relationship. I don't I don't think it'll happen soon. I can't imagine being in a relationship soon, but I'm sure one day down the track I will hopefully recreate babies with someone else because I think I deserve to like find someone one day and be happy with them and make babies and all that jazz and also give me siblings to grow up with. So I feel like that'll happen one day in my future, but I can't see it in the near future. It's also a really tough one to consume the thought of, but I think it's an important one to be realistic about. Yeah. Okay. So the next question that I have is what is the hardest thing about mum life alone and how are you going with it? I, the hardest thing about mum life alone is just literally being alone with her. And sometimes if she's having a meltdown or grizzly, like, like there's no one else there to help. Like I can't just offload her for a minute and get some space or have a shower or like so sometimes it's just just that, that you're literally physically alone with her and there's just no relief. For me, it gets easier and easier as I just get to grow with her and learn with her and understand her ways more. And she's getting older and in ways she's getting easier in that it's less demanding, but I don't know, harder in some ways too, because then sometimes she's more demanding. It's so weird. I, it's, I can't explain it, but I do love this age and I'm loving, she's one and a half and it's like, I don't know if I say this about every age, but I think it is my favourite age. I was thinking back to this time the other day when she was a newborn and I was alone, obviously at night, and she was not sleeping. And Minnie was really not a good sleeper at the start. She was a really good day sleeper, but then at night I felt like I wasn't sleeping. We were constantly feeding. And at the start, when you first have a baby, every feed for the first few weeks literally is a two-hour feed. It takes them that long to empty one boob and then they've got to empty another boob. And it's like, it's two hours each time you're waking up in the middle of the night and Minnie would feed for two hours each time and there's been multiple feeds. So you literally aren't sleeping. And some people fall asleep in their sleep while they're feeding it. I couldn't because I was I, I sleep so deep. I was like, I'll crush her. And I just went so delirious. I remember one night pacing. I, she wouldn't sleep. She had colic and she was screaming her head off and not, nothing would fucking settle her. She was fed. She was happy. Like, you know, there was nothing that would fix her colics just like just unsettled baby for like apparently no 
no reason, like nothing fixes it, not medication, not nothing. And I was just pacing up and down. My, I would walk downstairs, put her in the sling thing around my chest, like the wrap when they're tiny, you put them in those wrap things, pacing up and down my hallway with white noise going and I was just fucking howling, crying so much because I was so tired and delirious and so angry at this little baby, this little innocent baby that just wouldn't sleep. And Mm. I was so mad at her. I was just like, fucking sleep. You'll be happier if you just fall asleep and I'll be happier. And I just like, well, lots of people find themselves in tough situations or if you're in a bit of a spiral of like having a shit moment, like having a bit of a depressive moment. In that moment, you can, you fully are like, I will not get out of this. I'll, I don't know if I'll feel okay again. Will I ever not be tired? Will I ever be happy again? Will I ever not be crying? Like I don't see light at the end of this tunnel. And I just remember feeling so like fucking doomed in that moment because I was so delirious and I was worried that I was just going to like just fully not like not be able to handle it at all because I was – it was just – I remember this one, a few specific nights, but this one in particular, Mm. and I just felt so fucking alone. That's why I love when I'm with you and Fish because, like, I think we all look at each other all the time and we're like, this is so fucking easy. Minnie's a gem. She's the best thing ever. But it's because we're sharing the load with three of us and it's like, that fucking so (laughs) easy when I'm with you. That's why I always want to be with you guys. (laughs) But I love you guys as well, obviously. We just share the load between the three of us. Minnie's equally obsessed with all of us. Whereas... When I'm alone, it's like three times as hard because it's just all on me. No one will really seize, I guess, what it's like unless you're alone with a baby, a single mum. Yeah, when it is just you and them. And it is it is hard, but it's the best, obviously, most rewarding thing ever. So everything hard is good, right? Because you're working hard at something to be the best at it and to do well and support your little people and your little family. So everything I feel like I complain about good things like I'm going on about how hard the audiobook is but how how great that I get to tell Chumpy's story and it's going to be so rewarding when it's done and it's like mum life's Mm. not fucking easy but is it the best thing ever yes and like it just like goes without saying kind of thing so I I hate to complain because I'm so lucky as you know and as we all know I'm so lucky to fucking have her so I feel sometimes guilty about complaining and that's the double-edged sword especially with everything you and me, like every time we complain, we have to fucking catch ourselves because someone's going to be like, oh, you're yeah. fucking lucky, you're privileged, stop crying. It's like we know that, but sometimes yeah. life is hard, so we want to... It's always a double-edged sword over here at Darling Shine, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I also know there's a lot of single mums that don't have the support that I have. I have the best friends around me and I'm so fucking lucky and I don't know how I got so lucky. And my mum is amazing as well. She's so on board and many loves her. Like I'm, I'm so much I'm so lucky and I'm so grateful and I know a lot of people don't have the support I have but I just want people to know it is fucking hard and I've had really 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 hard times as well as it's all like what you see on Instagram it's it is great a lot of the time but yeah it's fucking hard a lot of the time too and maybe I don't show that Okay, Chloe, <laughs> enough about bloody me. I'm so sorry. We always got questions about your wedding. Obviously, it was in Bali and it was amazing and people are looking to book their weddings over there. And, like, could you please tell us about your experience with it? 
And how did you feel about planning a wedding overseas, like with the worry about really important friends or family members that maybe wouldn't be able to make it? How would you recommend navigating the whole process? Yeah, we always get asked this about the wedding, but we actually do have an episode, like a whole episode where we spoke about everything from start to finish about our wedding. I'll get it linked in the show notes, but I will do a little spiel right now about the whole situation. So Paul and I, we actually met in Bali back in 2012. And when we met there, we always, like that was just our go-to spot. We went there every year after, like we've always loved loved it as a holiday destination. And then when we got engaged, it was it was a no-brainer that we were going to get married in Bali because that's where we met. We got married at The Lawn, which is in Chungu, and our good friend owns that venue. Well, it was actually not really a wedding venue. We were, at, we were the first people to have a wedding there. We didn't officially get married in Bali. We actually did all of our the legality and all the documents and everything like that in Australia before we left. So we were officially married on paper Actually, you know what? It was after we got home from Bali. Yeah, we just did all the paperwork. So like our official wedding date is a couple of weeks after the day that we got married in Bali, but we always just call that our wedding anniversary anyway. So I think that that's one tip that I would say, because if you actually do the legalities in Bali, there's like, it's like a whole thing. And there's all these rules and regulations that you have to follow strictly if you do physically do all the papers and legally get married there. Another thing when you get married in Bali is you have to it's compulsory, I believe, to have a wedding planner and there's heaps on the island. The company that we used was called Hitched and they were amazing. The chick that I dealt with, her name was Kira. She was amazing. She, They basically did everything from start to finish. It just, it was so, you think that I love doing my own spreadsheets. You should have seen the spreadsheets that this chick had. It was just like, I was obsessed. <laughs> A lot of people actually have been messaging me on Instagram about this recently, which is weird that this has come up, but about hair and makeup for Bali. I've always used the same girl in Sydney when I used to live in Sydney, if I ever had events or photo shoots or anything like that. So I decided to pay for Rose to go on a holiday to Bali with her family. And we did book an extra hairdresser in Bali on ground to just assist with the hair on the day. But Rose did all the makeup. She's amazing. Shout out to Rose. Love you. She's amazing. I love her. The food was done by the lawn. Obviously we ended up using a big marquee because the rain, it was actually in wet season. We got married at the end of February and no matter what we did, no matter how many times we prayed to the rain gods, it still decided to rain on the day. So I'm, although I didn't want to have a marquee, I'm so grateful that we did have a marquee because everyone would have been drenched, although a few people did get drenched. Um, Sorry to our parents who unfortunately were in the spot that got... (laughs) That's right. ...really, really wet. It actually wasn't meant to be that way. But there's marquees and there's marquees. You can get nice marquees. The marquees actually, especially if they've got the lights on them, like they actually add a really beautiful element to the aesthetic of the wedding, I reckon. Yeah, well, we we did like... It was a big clear one, but... in an ideal world, we wouldn't have had the marquee because it would have been like the night sky and it would have just been stunning with yeah. with Bali. But we just had no choice and I just didn't want to risk that. So they still like dressed it up so nice with all like greenery and the foliage and the lights and everything like that. So it was still so beautiful. Season-wise, obviously peak season for Bali is June, July. We chose February because that was sort of the time off that Paul had. It wasn't that bad, the weather. Yeah, it did rain a little bit on the night, but... I, I think that the whole trip was pretty good. We didn't really have too much rainy weather, which was really good. 
Um, we were actually in Bali, obviously, this February, but if you were sort of looking at doing a wedding, I would probably say go from March onwards because definitely by the end of our trip in Bali this year, the further into the trip into March, the, the nicer the weather and the less rain we'll have in. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend sort of like March onwards. And we were really lucky that we, I think that there was only a, a few people that weren't able to come. It was pretty much every single person came from all over the world that we invited. We we, we kind of tried to make it a full holiday for everybody and had a few events around it and parties and dinners and stuff like that. So, and you know what, it was a really yeah. amazing blessing in disguise because COVID hit literally the week after the wedding. So it was essentially every single person at that wedding's last hurrah because we all went into lockdown the week we got home. It was crazy. That's right. So yeah, that's my Bali wedding tips. But we'll definitely link in the show notes the full episode where I talk about everything from start to finish with our Bali wedding. Did you always foresee that you would get married overseas or had you previously thought, like I know Bali's your guys' dream place, so that didn't surprise, but did you ever envisage an Australian wedding? No, never. I don't know why. Just didn't. Wow. It was always going to be a destination that I had in my, as a little girl, destination wedding. Not that I can give much wedding advice, but I think people who are nervous about booking a wedding overseas, I've got a friend at the moment who's like, I think I want to get married in Hawaii, but we're worried no one will come. Is obviously if you want an intimate wedding, get married overseas because lots of people won't be able to come. But then if you're worried people won't be able to come and you really want them there, just plan it heaps far in advance. Like give them two years because it's actually a blessing for people. They can plan this epic yeah. holiday around your wedding. So like a whole family are going to go to Hawaii in two years for so-and-so's wedding and blah, blah, blah. Like don't feel bad doing an overseas wedding because, yeah, it's going to be expensive for them, but it's a, it's not a stitch up. It's a fucking holiday. They're going to have the best time ever. Yeah, I agree. So don't feel selfish about it. Just do what you want to do. If, I, yeah. we, I think we gave everyone nearly two years notice for our wedding. You did. And everyone was just so excited. The pro- so good. The problem with our friends was that everyone fucking decided to get married in Bali at the same year. So <laughs> literally had two weddings in Bali that, no. A why, year no, apart. It was like three years in a row, three different weddings. Yeah, it was fucking gnarly. <laughs> and then thank God our friend decided to go on a lope because we were all meant to go back to Bali just recently for a wedding and we had just been there. <laughs> Oh, I would never get sick of that place though. Bali's the place. Yeah. I'm actually planning a whole month again with you. Well, I don't know if you guys are even going, but I'm going. February again, whole month in Bali. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, that's sort of the plan. I think that we're talking about doing March though because remember we we, before you got there, we were there in February and it was really rainy. (gasps) Are you guys free in March? I don't know yet, but I was saying to Paul when we left, if we're going to go, well, we're definitely going to go next year, but when we go next year, I want to push it back a few weeks just because it was pretty wet at the beginning of Feb. Like it was really wet. Like it rained every day. Remember? It was super monsoonal. And like the the later in the holiday it got, the better the weather got. We'll work on that idea. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go. I'm frothing. The people want to know, what is it like to be a DJ or to (sighs) DJ? Like you DJ a fair bit lately or you've got a big show coming up in Malta, sis. Tell us about it. Are you nervous? Yeah. I don't even know how I start. Actually, I do. I entered this bloody DJ competition called Your Shot. Do you remember? Fuck, how embarrassing. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah, that was so fun. We all came to support you. You did so well. (laughs) Well, I thought that I was like a married You came second. No, 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 I didn't. I did not get any sort of placing. I was terrible. Well, I just kind of entered that because I thought, you know, it could be handy. I'm going to just 
learn can't hurt sort of thing. And every now and then I just get asked to play shows here and there. I mean, I think I just do it for a bit of fun. It is so hard, by the way. I take my hat off to DJs. In the lead up to this Malta show, I've known about it for a while. Actually, speaking of this Malta show, I did not say yes to it at all. And then all of a sudden one day this flyer came out and someone (laughs) sent it to me and was like, oh, my God, Kitchen Queen, are you DJing? And I was like, no, where? And they're like, Malta. No. So. No. Yeah, that was interesting. But I guess I I was put on to. Chloe, are you joking? (laughs) What? I thought you fucking planned that shit. No, before I even, before, so I guess we, uh, there's two shows. There's a one on the main stage, but like a few deep, like obviously not opening for Paul, but a few acts before Paul on the main day. And I'm going back to back with our friend Rich Penny. And then the following day, there is like a, a boat party that it's just all girls DJing. And one of our really good friends from home, Dimity, whose DJ name is Shimmy Disco, I was like, I'm only playing this if I can go back to back with Dim for two hours because I just can't handle doing this by myself. It's just too nerve wracking. I prepare so hard and even still I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed about it. It is so stressful. I'm telling you, I swear to God. I mean, when you're there and you're watching people DJ, oh my gosh, it seems really easy, but it is, I tell you right now, maybe it is easy. Maybe I'm just a rookie, but I don't know. It's not easy. Do you feel more comfortable when you're with Dim? Because you guys do it so well and she's obviously a pro. So do you feel like she takes you under her wing a bit and you guys just vibe off each other so well? Absolutely. I literally hit her up the other day and I was like, I hope you've got some good shit because you are going to have to carry me so hard on this boat because I'm, pre- I'm prepping, but I'm also, it's so <laughs> scary. I just don't want to stuff. I'm so nervous about stuffing out. And you know, I'm such a perfectionist. I'm like, oh my God, I need to practice. I couldn't tell you the last time I actually DJed. So it'll be interesting. So shout out to everyone that bought tickets. We called our boat party the liquid limo. <laughs> Oh, God, all aboard the liquid limo. Fuck yes. Don't you think that, like, all the people who are cooked in the crowd, though, if you stuff up, they're not really going to notice, are they? I would hope to say no, they wouldn't notice, but I think because I go to so many shows now, I can definitely, my ears prick when I hear something that's, like, not done right. I don't know. That sounds so lame. But, yeah, I definitely, if, like, something, like a weird transition or something, I'm like, oh. I don't like tell them that, but I'm just like, oh yeah, people, you know, people make mistakes, obviously. You don't say <laughs> it to fish? No, nah, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's fun, but I don't ever put my hand up to doing it because it's it's so scary. He doesn't fuck up anymore. He's amazing. Yeah, it's very rarely that that happens. <laughs> oh my God, hectic. I would never pick up on that shit. I'm, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, I don't have a musical bone in my body. Neither. So Minnie's got that from Chumpy and Fisher, I reckon, because she's definitely got that musical. Like she literally knows when the beats come in. She knows when it's about to drop. Like she's just fucking, she, she's a little DJ already. <laughs> oh, Minnie Moo. All right, so this is a question for both of us. I'd love to hear your inside thoughts and perspectives on finding the absolute loves of your life so soon after leaving relationships. Was there any thoughts that crossed your mind about moving on too quick or healing so fast? I'm navigating something very similar. I'm struggling not to let what everyone else around me would think moving on so fast for someone who seems like my absolute soulmate. Oh my gosh, I'm with this person for sure. (laughs) It 
Do not feel like anyone can judge you. I remember I had just gotten out of a relationship and I was so, like this is when I was like 20 and I'm such an independent person. Like I'm so great on my own. I never thought I'd be in a relationship soon. I was like, I'm going to live my single years. I was 20. So there was no hot girl summer chat back then, but that's what I wanted to exude. I just wanted to get out there and fucking have fun, get with boys, party, just live my single fucking years. And (laughs) fucking chump, I never got that time because he (laughs) swooped me off my feet, not like literally not even a month later. I was so depressed and sad about my breakup and I literally didn't, wasn't keen to get into another relationship. I was like, I just want to do me and be alone and get through this and be happy again and be happy on my own. And then I was like, this guy's amazing and I can't not be with him. He, I'm, I'm going to be with him forever. And I knew it in my gut. And I was like, this is me now forever. So do not feel any shame for moving on too soon. If you know it in your gut, you have to do it. Yeah, I... A hundred percent agree. I was going to say the exact same thing because Elodie and I, the story is exactly the same. We both broke up with our exes around the same time. We were a month apart, pretty much wanted to have this hot girl summer. Single for a minute. Yep. Went to Bali and I met Paul maybe on like day four of my holiday. And I think (laughs) it's just one of those things like when you know, you know, and we're learning very quick here in the podcast that you actually can't worry about what other people think. You just have to do you. And if people have opinions, that's great, but you need to do your life because, you know, you've got to protect yourself. And I think if you, if you, if you know that this is your soulmate, then what the hell are you waiting for? Okie dokie. I think that that is enough questions for today. There's still hundreds more. So bear with us. We're going to try and get through as many as we possibly can. Um, There'll be plenty more Q&A episodes. So if you actually do have questions, feel free to send them through on our Facebook group and we'll try our best to get around to answering those. But next week we have my mum on the podcast. So really excited to share that chat with you. Good old mummy. I love Al. She's the best. Okay, bye, sis. Love you.